0: I'd like to be a little patriotic this morning, for for just a w- little while longer, and I want to explain the difference between patriotic and political politics, because unfortunately we're in a in a sad time that any time a pastor stands up in front of a group of people and ha- talks about anything remotely resembling governmental issues, that he gets accused of mixing re- politics and religion. But what I want to say is patriotic, and patriotic is, the definition is having or showing, I may have to switch, great love and support for your country, having or showing patriotism. Politics is activities that relate to influencing the actions and policies of a government. That's not what I want to do this morning. I do want to turn off my cell, though. And I don't want to influence through political means the government, though I do want to, with my life, influence the government through Christian means. We as people should all do that. But patriotic having or showing great love and support rather than political. And, of course, politics comes from two words, poly meaning many and ticks meaning blood-sucking animals. (laughs) So we want to go on the patriotic side for a minute. Um, You know, I I get a lot of emails and updates from uh, AFA and and Focus on the Family Citizen Link. And there's been a lot this this week coming in the last couple of days, um, even from uh, Chuck Gerard, who uh, I was going to show a video, maybe I will next week, about the heart of America that, that he put together. Um, people grieving for their nation and you know for for so many it it appears that this was just an election there was such rejoicing in the Obama campaign and for so many others this wasn't just an election for many of us there's a feeling and a sense that it wasn't oh bummer we, we lost the White House, we Republicans lost the White House, it wasn't about Democrat and Republican for many people that I'm listening to and hearing from and talking to personally and even, even sometimes looking at people's faces. Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, if you stayed up late enough to find that it wasn't about the Republicans not gaining office. We, there was a feeling that something was lost for this nation. And really, truly, there's a sense of grieving that's going on for people, and I think that that's appropriate because we're seeing something slip away, a nation changed. I I read a quick blurb in the, the Huffington Post, which is, it was wonderful to read because it laid out immediately that they said that there's a new America, and they were so excited that the new America is dawning. And I went, wow, I mean, they see it, they admit it, there's a new America, and that's the reason we're grieving, is because we're seeing an old America begin to go away. What does this mean, some of the questions? Is this the end of the United States? Is this the, the end of the world? Is the end of times upon us? And, and those are questions we'll just have to wait and see. These things could usher in the, the end of times. This, these things could usher in the end of a great nation, and they may not. But what is our part today? Our part is as believers. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about I knew who was going to win the election and that was Jesus. See if we vote for Jesus then he wins. Personally, corporately, we need to put our faith, hope and trust and our vote in Jesus, not in man. And otherwise we'll be sorely disappointed in all ways. <clears throat> I was sent this quote I think, five times this week from different people, so I figured I should read it. John, thank you for sending it to me. We should never despair. Our situation before has been unpromising and has changed for the better, so I trust it will again. If new difficulties arise, we must only put forth new exertions and proportion our efforts to the exigency of the times. And the ex- that's the demand, the emergency of the times. We need to put forth our efforts in proportion to the emergency of the times. So, was written down in 1777 by George Washington to one of his commanders just before Valley Forge. It was a dark time in the nation. We think of 1776 and the birth of a new nation as, as a, a, a wonderful time, but there was some really hard times right afterwards. It wasn't quite over. There's a dark moment upon the nation, but we need to put a proportion that's equal to, in proportion to the need of the times. And the need of the times is for Jesus to be Lord of our lives and to be Lord of this earth. This morning, in thinking about Veterans Day and praying about the message, I really felt that the Lord brought me to this message and. Honoring those who serve this great nation, as as we've even said in the video, you know, all gave some, some gave all. So many people, I've got a number of friends, even one of my youth from Oakdale went and served in uh, in Afghanistan, and and he's now suffering like so many others do with post-traumatic stress disorder. He's not functioning well. War takes a toll, and we need to remember these people, to honor these people, even when we don't agree always with the reasons we're doing things those who have gone have gone for noble reasons most of all I mentioned that nearly 1.5 million soldiers are in active active duty today we have the second largest military that should scare us because it's only the second largest military China's is larger 1.5 million active duty 200,000 serving overseas we have five branches of military in this in this country we have seven branches of reserves. There's, there's all, all told, there's over three million people that are either in reserves or active duty. There's a lot of people serving their country. And since 1972, that military has been an all-volunteer military. Now, before that, there was drafts and, and things, but since 1972, it's been an all-voluntary army, and my brother Patrick was a recruiter. In fact, he started out as airborne, and... He, cha- he was a COSCOM, which, which is out of North Carolina. They're the ones who, who uh, bring all the material. He jumped out of the plane with stuff and packed the chutes and jumped out for people like Josh, who was 82nd Airborne. And, uh, and he actually changed his what's called an MOS, which is a military occupational specialty. It's, it's what you do in the Army. He changed it from being an airborne, jumping out of planes, packing parachutes for people. He became a recruiter. His pay went up because it was more dangerous to be a recruiter than it was to jump out of planes. And so we have a a voluntary army and people enlist. And they're still doing it. They're enlisting in this army. And here you have someone. They enlist in the army. They they volunteer. And here they are. They're a free person. They voluntarily, with a little bit of persuasion, When I was graduating high school, I was promised $10,000 to just sign my name to go into the Navy. Because my ASVAB scores were high enough that they wanted me. And and that's what I thought. But $10,000 in 1988 was a few bucks. But but there's a little bit of of coercion. But but they walk into the office, and they sign their name. They walk in free, and they sign that name voluntary. But the moment they sign that paper, they're part of the military, and they're no longer a free man. They volunteered for six to eight years of compulsory service. They are not their own any longer. It's very interesting. In fact, not even their physical body belongs to themselves anymore. When you're in the military and you get, you get off for the weekend or you get a couple weeks and you go to Hawaii and you get sunburned, when you get back, you can get written up for destruction of federal property. You're not your own. You started out free, but it changed. The veterans who've served, whether in wartime or not, they, they paid a price. But I liken this to what we as Christians should be doing, and we do. I think it's similar to the, the military in the United States, and maybe depending upon your theology, whether you believe in predestination or free will you can get drafted or enlist. But remember the big signs that you used to see with Uncle Sam pointing his finger out? It says, Uncle Sam wants you. And I I see that as Jesus. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus points out at us and says, I want you. But so we have to enlist to become part of that, I don't believe in the draft. I believe that we have the choice to make to serve Jesus, to receive Him as our Lord and Savior. And but but as you have to qualify to go into the military, you you can, any anybody can go in and sign their name on that doc on the document that says I want to become in the military. But but immediately they give them a, a series of tests. And one of the first ones is the ASVAB, the one I talked about, Armed Services Vocational Aptitude and Battery. It's this test that says, are you qualified? If you get a really high score, you can make it into the Air Force. If you, if you go down a little bit, you can make it into the Navy. If your scores are a little bit lower, you can make it into the Marines. And if your scores are the lowest possible, you can actually get into the Army. <laughs> They'll take any dog face, right? So, but you have to qualify. You have to, they have to qualify to get in. Then you have to take physicals, and you do all these stuff. And so there's some people who do not qualify because of their physical ability. Thank God that when we enlist to be in his army, he's qualified us already. He qualifies us. I think of the movie The Avengers a little bit. If, if you if you saw it, you, you see the scrawny little kid, he just wants to serve and he just wants to serve and he can't qualify for anything. I mean, you know, the joke was if they put the needle through him he'd go out the backside of his arm, he was just scrawny, but his heart he was pre-qualified by the doctor. The doctor says, "No, I'm going to qualify you and you got to serve." And he turns into, of course, Captain America. And uh, but Jesus pre-qualifies us. We don't have to take the ASVAB. We don't have to pass a physical. Colossians one twelve. Give me for a moment. Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the like. We don't qualify on our own. There's nothing in us that is good enough that will allow us to become part of God's family, part of God's army, if you will. But God qualifies us. See, he imputes his righteousness to us, and so we don't have to pass a test. We don't have to live up to some standard. And how many times have you shared your faith with somebody and, and, and you just, they just keep saying, I'm, just, I'm too bad and I just can't you know I just need to stop doing some things before God accepts me." No, that's not the truth. God accepts us. God qualifies us. We don't have to do it on our own. And He doesn't just qualifies us, but He calls us. The scriptures are wrought with the places where God calls us to be his own. He calls us out of darkness. He calls us. Jesus wants you. And he calls and he qualifies you to serve in his army. Remember the the children's song. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never even zoom over the enemy but I'm in the Lord's army. We've come and we've become part of the Lord's army, not because of us, but because he's qualified us. And this morning, I was thinking as as we're honoring veterans, that we are also those who've dedicated ourselves. We've signed the paper, if you will, to say, I'm yours. But do we understand that the moment we as free men signed that paper, we became slaves to God. We're no longer our own. I believe even the Bible says something to that effect that we're not our own. We were bought at a price. If you want to stay free, if you think you're free, then don't come to Christ. Because we become a slave to Him. Now, we're already slaves to sin if without Christ, and we think we have freedom, but we come to Christ. But the problem in the church is too many people think that they have absolute freedom and no responsibility in Jesus. And they put on Christianity and don't understand that when we enlist, we're really becoming voluntary bond servants, no longer our own. We're bought at a price, servants of Jesus. Now, we celebrate, we honor veterans every day. Our final Veterans Day is veterans in God's army. Probably won't happen a whole lot of times on this earth until that final hill we climb until we see the Lord face to face and he says well done good and faithful servant enter in the joy of your rest well done good and faithful servant we sign up for military service it is a service to the military we sign up for service into God's kingdom and become a servant the first thing that we have to do is enlist in this army. God's got an army. Yes, it's a family, but, but it's also likened unto an army as we are soldiers. First part, we have to enlist. You have to receive Christ. You have to take that step where so many people did. Young and said, I, I, I'm going to join the military. <laughs> And they, and, they, and they signed there. They said, I want something different. Whatever it was they're looking for, often, sadly, they didn't find it. But it was life-changing and, and can be very, very good. But they, signed, they said, I want something to." They signed their name. Something happened to most of you, I pray all of you, that one day God came, in, came and confronted you with himself, and you said, I don't want my life the same I want to enlist. I want to become part of something that's bigger than me, and I need Jesus. Now, some people join the army just so they have a place to go and somebody to take care of them. Some people come to Christ for the same thing. But in their time of coming to Christ, they can grow and mature and become all that God wants you to be. I remember that one too. Be all that you can be. God wants you to be All that He created you to be. So we have to receive Him and and understand that we're signing our life away when we prayed that prayer, God, I'm a sinner, and I need you as my Savior. So many of us prayed another part that says, I commit my life to you. Commit. That's a word that's not thrown around real easy. You know, marriages aren't even a commitment. Nothing's commitment. I commit my life to you. Let's go back to the original sense. But that means permanently. Let's make a real commitment. So you first enlist. And the next thing that that a, a veteran went through is he had to be trained. He had to be trained. And, and there was a, a lot of training, lots of push-ups, lots of running. It was hard. For us, when we come to Christ, we need to, we need to be trained so that we're ready to be part of what God has for us. And if we don't allow ourselves to be trained to be discipled, we're not going to be of any use to the Lord's army. We need to allow ourselves to be disciplined. And it's rigorous at times. It's saying no to ungodliness. It's submitting ourselves to Christ. It's learning what the Word says, becoming an overcomer in and through Him. We're trained. In the church here at Christian Center, we we rely on our life groups to help people grow in Christ where they can be in relationship with small groups of people and challenge each other. And if you're in a life group, you know that sometimes that is challenging just to get along. But you stick to it and you shape each other and you challenge each other. Iron sharpening iron. On top of that, we have just we have what we call it the training track or equipping track but but ways to help you grow in your faith and become an overcomer. The encounter retreat is part of this process that we use here. The encounter retreat, again, is, is so important because it helps you to get victory and healing emotionally, victory over sin, over the enemy in your life, and get closer to the Lord, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. So you have to enlist, you have to be trained, and, and, and part of the training is to know your stuff. I didn't know what else... What other word to put there? Because there's so much stuff you have to know in the military. They have to know how to take their weapon apart, take it apart, clean it, put it back together. In some some more rigorous ones, they have to do it blindfolded. Did you have to do it also that way? Blindfolded. They have to know their weapon so well that they can take it apart and put it back together blindfolded. In two and a half minutes. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Pierces to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God is our weapon. The word of God is our weapon, and we need to know it. We need to know our stuff. We need to get familiar with this weapon in the spirit. 2 Timothy 2.15, for all of you Awana people, this is the scripture, all the kids. Be diligent to present yourselves to God, a worker who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what we should be. We should be able to rightly divide the word of truth. We should know, that, know this word well. That's part of being in the Lord's army. If you're, if you're struggling, and, and, and you're continually struggling in sin, I got a question how well do you know the word? Because this word gives freedom. We have to know your weapon. We have to know our defense. In Ephesians it talks about the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. Faith is our defense against the fiery attacks of the enemy. And I know some of you are going through attacks. We need to build that faith up. And and I believe that the faith, Romans ten seventeen, I believe it comes from really two places, but faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We need to hear the Word of God. We need to inundate ourselves with the Word of God, not just deciphering it the way we want to, not just interpreting it the way we want to, which is an easy thing to, for us to fall into the trap, but let the Word analyze us and hear the Word. And also in Judas says to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, hearing and reading the Word of God is going to help us to know our defense system. We need to have a good defense system. We need, to have a, we need to know our weapon. We need to know our defense. We need to know the enemy. You know, the enemy, his whole purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. He is the father of lies. He's deception. We need to know him so that we can recognize his tricks and his traps. And he is laying them down all the time. And he's coming. The Bible says he's going to come as an angel of light. So he's gonna come in ways that are gonna confuse us and seem good, and we need to know the word, and we need to be aware of the devil's schemes because he wants to take every one of us out. And he, he's so subtle about it. He, most of the time, he's just gonna to try to just to isolate you a little bit at a time. He's gonna disconnect you from the body, and slowly over time, he's gonna isolate you until you're all by yourself with nobody around. The enemy wants to do that, but we need to know and understand his schemes know our weapons to fight him, know our defense against him when he comes in. You need to know your commander. And I know there's not all good commanders in the military. Thank God he is a good commander. But when the, when the boot, camp, when boot camp starts, there ain't too many people who like their drill sergeant. But I know that a number of them, by the time it ends, they understood what he was doing to them. Some gain a relationship with him. They trust him. They begin to know him. And then they they find another commander, and they have to go through that. And that commander will take them into battle. If you're going to go into battle, you want to know your commander. You want to trust him. We need to know Jesus. We need to know him well so that we can trust him. We've put our faith in him, but some of us don't trust him because we don't know him. Get to know him. 1 Corinthians 2.2 says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Know the Lord. Spend time with Him. Pray. Read His Word. Get to know His character, His attributes. When you know the character of God and the enemy comes in, you you can recognize it more fully, more accurately, quickly. You go, you know what? That, That looks good, but there's something wrong. It's not lining up with the absolute character of God. Know your Commander know your weapon know your defense know your enemy know your commander another thing in the military you need to know is what they call the MOS you need to know what your MOS is and that's that specialty military occupational specialty and you were communications which is what that's not 11 that's infantry's 11B you know 31 uniform y'all have numbers it's always fun you know, 11 Bravo, 31 uniform. That's what he did. He knew it, and on top of that, he took extra training in that. He was trained. Everyone in the military was trained on how to shoot and how to do the basics. But on top of that, they were given a specialty. Each and every one of us in this room have specialties. Each and every one of us in this room have gifts. The Bible says that he ascended on high and gave gifts to men. Each of us have gifts of the Spirit. Abilities, supernatural things that God desires us to use in service to Him, and we need to understand what that gifting, what those giftings are, and so that we can use them to help the body of Christ. His was communications. If somebody put him in the wrong unit and had him work on a tank, he would have been in trouble. He didn't know how to work on a tank. Know your MOS. What is God calling you to? What are those giftings? Don't hide them. This morning we saw just a brief glimpse of some gifts gifts of speaking in tongues and prophecy and encouraging words, gifts of, of, of music and leading worship. I believe that there are, are so many, I believe that there are more gifts that God wants to give into the, into the church, but we need to know the gifts that God has given us and the abilities and be faithful. Faithful in the exercise of those things to the body of Christ. 1.5 million people serving in the military. There is a lot of MOSs. There's, There's just so many. I believe there's 190 right now, and they change, actually. Sometimes they get rid of one. 190, and within those 190 jobs, it's even broader because each job has its own specialty. What has God called you to? What has God gifted you with? Are you being faithful with that? Don't, don't look to other giftings and say, but you know, that gift is so much better than mine. You know, my brother just packed the parachute. He had to jump out with him occasionally just to make sure he was doing a good job. <laughs> that was part of the deal. They said, here's one of yours. <laughs> That's not that glorious, but it sure is important for the guy who's jumping out of a plane behind enemy lines. Do your job well. In the body of Christ, not just in the physical church. In the physical church, there's a lot of need. I I really realized how much people do this morning is so many people who serve were gone this morning and were picking up stuff and moving chairs and vacuuming and doing just the last-minute stuff. But we're not just talking about things in the church. In the body of Christ, your gift is needed in your life group. To your neighbors? Is it hospitality? Is it ministry? Is it a gift of healing? An encouraging word? Is it gifts of, of giving financially? God, what's my gifting? And look at your life. You know, some of you in here are going, I don't know my gifts. And I believe we can help you find them. I believe that's even part of the, the training track, if you will. We help people find the gifts that God has given them so that they can be faithful in the exercise of those gifts and not desiring everyone else's gift. Then you can desire anything God, God wants you to have. That so God, is that scripture says, greatly desire the greater gifts, eagerly desire the greater gifts. But those gifts, I believe what he's talking about, and that is whatever gift is most important in the moment is the best gift. It's not a, there's not one gift better than the others. But the gift that's appropriate in the moment is the best gift. And you have that gift at times. That's your gift. Make sure you're in that place and give that gift. Know your know your MOS. I was going to go into talking more about gifts, but I'm running out of time. Know your stuff. You've enlisted. Know you, you've been trained. Get training. Know your stuff. If 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 you have, have never been disciple, if you say you know I've been saved, but I've really never been taught the word, and I don't know how to live victorious life, then we can help you get into a life group that help you grow, know your stuff, begin to know the word, know your defense, know your enemy, know the commander, know the giftings, and let them be used. No, exercise them all the time. So some of you this morning might have said, "Wow, I, it's amazing how those people could just share a word." You know, and prophesy, and wow, that's so great! You should have heard all those people the first time they did it. I'm sure they just fumbled all over themselves. But in the exercise of a gift, it hones the Lord's confidence comes. Finally, after all these things, the thing that we lack so often, we need to pray and fight through is be faithful. military has a a number of slogans and things, but one of them is no man left behind. They're faithful. They're faithful. How many movies, and of course they're just movies, but how many times, and we know it, it happens, there is no chance of winning. And they go in anyways. It's faithfulness. Being faithful no matter what the cost. Those of you who've been married for a while know that it's hard. But you just be faithful. And you just don't give up. You just press through. Proverbs 26 said, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? We need to find faithful men, faithful women in the body of Christ. We're lacking them. We need to Nurture a culture where men and women will be faithful to their spouses, faithful to their children, even faithful in in workplaces. Nurture faithfulness once again in the body of Christ, that we might stand apart. Who can find a faithful man? I'd like to hear the answer. You can find a faithful man at Christian Center. You can find a faithful man at Believer's Chapel. You can find faithful men in the body of Christ. Run in such a way as to get the prize, First Corinthians says. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body, make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Be faithful. Run the long race. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to your commitments. We're part of this army, and if we're in in war and somebody's job is to hand me ammunition, I certainly want them to be faithful if I'm the guy pulling the trigger on top of the hill. Be faithful. We're in the, in the aftermath of this election that boggles my mind. It just truly does. But God. But God. We're not of this world. Our, heaven is, our home is heaven. And we need to get our eyes off of these things Stop getting sucked into these things and know that they're just signs of the times. But we become faithful men and women to God. Faithful to each other. Because we know our stuff. We know what the word says. We need to care for one another and love one another. God, I thank you for enlisting me. For wanting me, God. I thank you for your love for each and every one in here, God. I pray that those who've never enlisted, if there's somebody in here who's not signed that paper, who hasn't enlisted into your family, God, into your army, this morning there have seen a demonstration of your love, of your power, that they would say, I want to be part of this army. God, that you would help us all to grow and to become a disciple and to help make disciples, that we would get our training, that we would learn to handle the Word of God effectively, we would understand and know who you are. You'd help us to know our enemy. God, help us to know how to defend against the attacks of the enemy when he comes in to lie and tell us that we're a failure, when he comes in to lie and says that we'll never succeed, that our marriage is doomed. And we'll hold the Word of God and say, no, God lives in me, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Help us to know you deeper, more intimately. Help us to know your voice. God, and as we do these things, as we know these, God, cause us to be faithful. Cause us to set our eyes on heaven. Set our eyes on the prize and not look back and say, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be faithful to the things that you call me to, to my marriage, to my children, to my family, to the body of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that as we would press in, that we would make a change and a difference in our communities in our workplaces, in our families. God, that men and women across this nation would begin to see that it's our turn to press into you and stop looking to Washington to fix things. Rise up and become the men and women of God that you're calling the church to be. Let it begin with me. In Jesus' name, amen.